Hello, everybody. It's time for the LJ and Redders podcast. And Luke said I sit there talking test cricket in the background, but that's not our focus now. It's a very good evening to Wimmera Mail sports journalist, Lucas James Holmes. Hello, Louis. Evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. And as we've been saying the last probably three or four of these, um, there's plenty happening. And of course, with our early podcast last week, some huge news dropped Thursday, but even bigger uh, early this week too. So straight into it. Some interesting news all across Australia, but some of it's not to do with football this afternoon, ladies and gents, and I won't say a word more. Well, our agenda tonight has the following things. The AFL statement, read the Hawthorne investigation, the Justin Rees resignation at Hawthorne, the mid-season draft, a review of round 11 and a preview of round 12. I'm not sure how we're going to get out of the first two topics inside 15 minutes, given us two. Um, again, I have to make a declaration here of conflict of interest. I'll be very careful what I say because I'm an employee of the AFL, a casual one, and I am bound to be rather careful with what I say. Lucas, run us through what actually, run, run us through not opinions. Run us through yep. some facts in this story, please. I think everyone's quite fascinated. The first part of our agenda is the AFL statement on the Hawthorne investigation yeah. Into, into alleged racism. I can talk about those. Louis, run us through some stuff, please. Yeah, um, and we had quite a lengthy phone call um, a couple of nights ago. This just popped up. But, yeah, of course, as everyone's been following since, well, I think it was September 2022, uh, 2022 in October, where the AFL uh, implemented, they engaged their independent uh panel um, to the investigations of, of what's taken place at Hawthorne over this period of time, David. And Gillian McLaughlin called a press conference at about quarter to eight, I think it was, maybe, if not a, a little bit earlier on Tuesday afternoon. They released a statement in regards uh, to the Bin Mata report and the, uh, in, and the independent invest, investigation panel that's been happening since October in 2022, David. And I'll just go through a couple of things very quickly because it's very deep in detail and things like that. Um, and I'm quoting now, and this is of one day ago, now almost two days ago, and I'm now quoting, today the AFL and its complainants who took part in this process with the endorsement of the independent panel, including Chairman Bernard Quinlan, KC, uh, who's been working with the AFL on a couple of, for a couple of years now, quite a few years now, have resolved as follows. A, no adverse findings have been made in, in the independent investigation against any of the individuals against whom allegations have been made, i.e. Chris Fagan, Alistair Clarkson, and then then talent manager Jason Burt. Those are the three uh, that have been in the uh, media for this long period of time. B, the complainants wish to resolve all differences with the AFL. C, as a result of this agreement, the complainants do not wish to pursue the independent panel investigation, which they wholeheartedly supported, or make any claims against the AFL in another process, including the AHRC or court in relation to these allegations. There's two or three more, but those are the main, those are the main three. And the more important and the, the more prevalent uh, thing here, David, and I spoke to you about this the other night, the, uh, again, I'm quoting from the statement, the AFL is only able to impose sanctions for breaches of AFL, AFL rules on persons subject to the AFL rules and respects the right of the various parties to the investigation and those who decided not to participate to pursue claim, claims in other legal forums. So those outcomes do not interfere with these rights. End quote. Okay. So... 
Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan were headlining this. Yep. The words were, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and you know that I read, perhaps not as yep. much as you because you're a lot closer to the nucleus of it. Exonerated. Correct. Can I ask you, as someone yep. that's paid to have an opinion and monitors football closely, we were quite a way into this podcast and we have developed ideas and strong opinions on things and talk about football. We try to put across an intelligent point of view. Lucas, what has happened? What's what's going on? I think everybody would like to know. I still don't quite understand. If they have been exonerated, what's happened? What What's your read on this? I'm allowed to ask questions. That's about all yep, I can do. Fine. Yep. So, so as, as I said there in that last point, the AFL are only able to um, to, to make um, to go through their side of it when it comes to AFL rules. So there's a whole not a grey area, but there's all, all, all sorts of things that could happen outside the AFL, which could potentially still be the case. Which is more or less what this statement is saying. Um, from an from an AFL point of view, they can only do with what what are the AFL rules, and that's been laid out in this statement. I know that if people haven't read it already, it's in quite detail and depth and the, the way you can get your head around it. But because this has all happened in quite the pu public eye since the end of September last last year in 2022, David, but all the all the findings and, of course, all, all the independent panel, it's almost done behind closed doors. So it's really hard to get engaged in what's happening. But, but, but as you said about there, the things that uh, Jason Burke and particular Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan have gone through, and as we'll get to in a minute, it's, um, it's forced a CEO to step down as well who's been in the industry for over a decade. So it's, um, it's taken the toll emotionally, of course, as we've seen, mentally and, of course, physically, not only on, the, on, on these people, David, from AFL staff point of view, but from the players, from the club as a whole, and, of course, uh, the complainants and those uh, that are still anonymous to us. So you, you, you wouldn't want to know probably what they've gone through in this last in this last six or seven months, but particularly from what has happened in the last decade or so. Okay. Yeah. Being very careful, what does this say about the validity of the complainants' claims? Yeah. That what is he saying? Like... Racial vilification rules in Australian rules are very strong. Yeah. I remember when you were quite a lot younger, Peter Everett having to go through it. There was a couple of, I think at one stage, Damien Moncourse might have been accused as well. Everett definitely was. Um, what was the guy who played? What's the guy, Robbie? Uh, what's the guy that kicked that famous goal for the Swans, the Indigenous lad? Uh, Ah Lamb. Um, he kicked. He he was he was a forward. He kicks a famous goal at Sydney. Runs about 120 meters. He got a. He accused someone of calling him a, 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 a calling him a dark something or other. But what does this say? What does the what does this say about the claims that were made? Like you're you're saying now. What you're alluding to, I think, if I'm reading reading you, is that there's still a possibility of civil action here that could happen. Correct. In the in the Victorian, presumably because the <coughs> civil action in the Victorian courts is that what you're alluding to? Uh, well, 
that's what it says here too. And it, and it, as I said, the complaints, and I'm quoting again, their complaints wish to resolve all differences with the AFL. So it, it, it's, it's still, it's still going to happen, but it's no matter of where it happens, as you said there, because the independent, um, the independent panel has been dissolved now, but, and it's still saying here, the complaints wish to resolve all differences. So it, it, it's not finished. And as you said there, the claims as well, it's, it's hard to judge because, like they, they wouldn't push it this far if it's not happened. But and we've seen some things in the last little while, both in, in the sporting circles and outside that have gone a little bit wider too, as you said that into this. So it's definitely it, it, to a degree, like like they can't be making things up. But the the way and I understand the culture of the indigenous people, they're they're very, very family orientated, all about community. So you would you wouldn't I understand completely why they wouldn't want their names drag through this because of the stress and harm that it would have on their families. So, but uh, hang on a second. Yeah. Hang on a second. Yeah, that's that's all true. Yeah. Right. But the people that they've accused don't have that same luxury. And this is a point. I am not being racist. I am not a racist person. Okay. <clears throat> Some of my best friends in cricket are indigenous. But if the complainants are allowed to remain anonymous, or what two of them aren't, Sir, Mr. and Mrs. Rioli, because they've been named in the press, okay? But if some of the people remained anonymous, isn't there some inequity that the people, they, that Bert, Fagan and Clarkson in particular, have been named and, and in inverted commas, shamed in public? And now been exonerated. Yeah. Shouldn't the whole thing have either been played out in public or played out in private and not half and half? Yeah, you, you'd think private. Obviously, there's still going to be some publicity to it, considering the, the, the degree and the, and the, and the how, do I, how do I put this, the, the, the high, how often these people are in the public eye, being an, being an AFL coach and a president of a club or a, a, a talent manager as he was at the time in Burt, they're so high. They're so high in the, in the public eye. So it's really tough. And we've spoken about this at length in time. I, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of there's not. You can have it a lot one way, but not the other. Um, if 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 Bert Clarkson and Fagan were would would come in the situation that uh, that these people are in and have their say, there'll be a there'd be a whole lot of uh, rough, and, rough and feathers, as it were. So, again, it's just going to have to play out. And I would tend to agree it would have to be um, mostly in the private till we get all, till we get as much as we can in terms of all the details. And that's not, we, we, we as public and as the media aren't going to know everything that's going on, that's for sure. Uh, well, you may, you may in, in your professional life, find out things that people, mugs like me may not. But that's... <clears throat> I would think you'd have to be a Melbourne insider, which you're yep. not yet, no. yep. <clears throat> to know that. And I'm not being rude, but you're going to have uh, to be a, a, at the stature of Wilson or Robinson or McClure and Niall, the people that write really well about football. Yeah. God, I've called Wilson and writing well about football in the same sentence. Amazing. Justin Reeves has had to resign because the, the effect that this is Hawthorne's a basket case, and yet they produce a brilliant win on the weekend. It's an amazing win. But Justin Reeves has gone too, Louis. Yeah, and of course, this 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 is going back to Thursday last week. So 
slightly out of order, but been but, but a knock-on effect, hasn't it? And it was Reid, as you said, Thursday last week. He resi- resigned to the board earlier. Thursday that was last week, and the board's appointed Ash Klein as the acting CEO. Ash Klein's from within the club as well, so um, from inside. So that's where they get that from, is an interim CEO. But Reid's too been in the game of football for a long period of time. He was appointed uh, Hawthorne's CEO in November 2017. He's had a dec- he had a decade in senior commercial roles, David, at Geelong and Collingwood as well, as well as seven years at Foxtel. So a, a long period of time in the... As it comes to Foxtel, of course, having the rights to the AFL for a long period of time. Senior commercial roles at, uh, at Geelong and Collingwood, we know how big those clubs are when it comes to commercial dealings and sponsorships and things like that. So... Um, imagine the toll that's had it on him and his family and his son's also playing at the club. So that sort of all rolls into it and he's done in Ned as a ruckman there. So as you said, a, a, a substantially difficult period for the club, David. And as you said, they're a big win on the weekend too over over a, a side that was looking to finish in the top four. So we'll get to that a, a bit later on as well. But of course, it's going back to last week. So it's been a, a big week or so at the Hawthorne Football Club. St Kilda won't finish in the top four now. I'll tell you that right now. Lucas, I'm going to throw one at you that's not on our agenda and just go off agenda a bit. We've now had a real decent part of the season, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. We've, we've gone 11 we're rounds. We've got, we're basically halfway through. Yeah. We've had a great look, okay? We've had a really, really good look at everybody. You've watched a lot of football. I don't think that the top four will change much that as it is now. I think that that I think that is the top four in a particular order. And the clubs I'm reading, the the results last week in which we'll go into a minute were extraordinary for Collingwood and Port Adelaide, absolutely ridiculous. But I think that Collingwood, Port, Brisbane and Melbourne will finish. In, I think they'll be there on the second last weekend of football. That's my thoughts. I The team that, for me, is the dangerous side out of there is the Western Bulldogs. That's mine. I would agree with that. And I'd probably have Adelaide very, very closely behind. Okay. Yeah. So right now, having gone through half the season and noting that Collingwood have another big, uh, easier game this weekend before a huge, that long, that King's birthday weekend clash that you're going to has enormous potential because it's a, it's an eight-point game. Do you think that any of the sides, so we've spoken the Doggies in Adelaide. Yeah. Can you sit, who's the most vulnerable in the top four? Noting that the top four in order is Collingwood by a game and percentage, I might add, for the first time in a few years, Port, Brisbane and Melbourne? Most vulnerable. I think you have to play a little bit of schedule into this as well. Collingwood, he had to play. Well, they play West Coast this weekend. They've also got Hawthorne, which I don't, which they'll play hard. It's a matter of how, how long they play for um, in terms of they may fall off, as I speak about quite often, maybe three, three and a half quarters into it. Um, so I think they've probably got a, a little bit of an easier run in, but then you've got those sides you've got to play um, twice as well we might have to have a look at the schedules and things in depth post by in a couple of weeks time but I think Collingwood probably will finish in the top four most vulnerable 
Port potentially. Um, I just think Brisbane and Melbourne had some of that big game experience that Port probably haven't been exposed to in the last, say, two years because previous to that, they've been, what, perennial preliminary finalists. So you can't, you, you can't say that about them. Um, they haven't had big game experience over the, in the long run, but I just think potentially they may be the side. I think Brisbane and Melbourne have a little bit too much depth. Melbourne have been a little bit unlucky injuries. Brisbane have had some tough games as well. So for me, it's probably Port Adelaide, but yet when you look at that, they've got, they're a game clear and two games clear at Melbourne. But I still think maybe for me, they may be the one that may potentially could be a little bit on the outer here. Here, everybody, is Collingwood's draw um, for the rest of the season. West Coast in Perth, Melbourne in the King's Birthday Weekend game at the G, Adelaide at the G, Gold Coast at Carrara, the Western Bulldogs at Marvel, Fremantle at the G, Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval, Carlton at the G, Hawthorne at the G, Geelong at the G, the Brisbane Lions at Docklands, and they finish off with Essendon. Yeah. That's what I would call a pretty a reasonably tough draw with a couple of games they should win because tell me in that list other than West Coast and probably Hawthorne and I hate to say it Carlton yeah. well Geelong and it's say yeah half of those games you would put Pence Collingwood in that Collingwood Collingwood for having their two of their last three weeks everybody uh, Geelong at the G and Brisbane at Marvel yep both Friday night games at the end of the season. That's not a bad draw for them. That there could be worse. Yep. Would you agree? I would. I would agree there. Yeah. And I'll go into Port to have a look as well. I'm off your. Because Port, remember, Port Adelaide's got another showdown to come as well. They have. Um, rolling here, so Port has. We'll get into this round in a second. Port had Hawthorne at the Adelaide Oval. The Western Bulldogs, that game's at Marvel. Um, Geelong at, at home, at the MCG. Coast at home, Carlton at Marvel. Uh, this is round 18. Port play Collingwood, that could be an eight, there could be an eight-pointer come round 18 at the Adelaide Oval, Saturday night. Um, and then that showdown you speak of on the 29th, so round 20, and they finish last last four rounds, David. Um, Geelong at Virginia Park. GWS at home. Fremantle away. That could be a danger game, the way that Fremantle yep. are starting to uptick at the moment, to be honest. Yes, correct. And then, the, and then the last round of the season, which is still TBC, a floating fixture, is Richmond. But that game is at the Adelaide Oval. Gee, so that's, not, that's, can, that's not a bad draw. You compare that to Collingwood, that's I wouldn't say substantially easier, but an extra game or two in there that you would pencil them in here yep. now. Okay. That just wanted to run that past you. I, I, I don't think it's set, but I think in my mind, I, I, I feel that I, I'm not the, I think that the only side side that's out of the eight that can make it is Freo. I don't think the others can make it. And yes, am I writing off Geelong? I am. And if you told me the Giants would be ahead of Richmond at this time of the year, I'd have, I just don't know what I would have said, to be quite honest. Yeah, I can't. Actually, yes, particularly with Hopper and Taranto crossing over too. And you, and you too, you look at the injuries I had I spoke about. 
when Taylor got injured that probably them dead and buried for the year, which most people would have. Uh, I, I don't think I'm in the minority in that. Um, Sam Taylor has been superb for them, particularly with Bill Davis out. But I think most people would have thought that would have been them dead and buried. It gives me another uh, thing to write to the agenda. There was a <clears throat> ESPN wrote a um, their all Australian uh, side at the halfway mark of the season, which I'll, I'll I'll do a bit of searching on and bring that up and have a bit of a chat about that. If we get a minute, if we don't, we don't. Yep. Okay. Louis, mid-season draft. Um, I've got an article that was published in the Herald, um, and obviously the uh, last night also in in the Age. The West Coast Eagles have picked up a talented Victorian forward, Ryan Marich, as the number one draft pick in the mid-season draft. Lucas, talk us through some of your thoughts. Yeah, Marich's an interesting one. Um, talent league player, Cat Cup, was previously called probably what most people know it as, um, but now the coach of talent league coming in this year. Marich, what was it, six, six goals over his last three or four games. So... And that, they, they model them here. We had, we spoke about Bailey Fritch a, a couple of weeks ago. That's sort of the, the player he's modelled as. So Marek, number one, the West Coast out of the Gippsland Tower. Uh, Robert Hanson, a, a, a small forward uh, out of Subiaco. David in the uh, in the waffle. And Clay Tucker rounding out the top three to Hawthorne. Key position, uh, Ruckman rather, 204 centimetres. Uh, Max Lynch has got a shocking run with concussion um, across his time with both Collingwood and Hawthorne, David. Uh, sent to the uh, long-term injury list in the last couple of weeks. So there was the uh, list spot that was um, freed up for him. Jaden Hunt is also an interesting one for me. A, a key position play, David. Key forward um, out of Perth. Um, of course, Peter Wright going to be back in the medium term uh, with that long-term injury sustained earlier in the season, David. So that's one to watch out for Essendon fans out there as well. Um, so Jaden Hunter, a key forward. But when you look... When you look to picks 10 and 11, David, there are two names you recognise there, uh, as most people should do. Caleb Poulter, um, formerly AFL listed of Collingwood, has been playing VFL with Footscray, of course, a Western Bulldogs affiliate there in the, v- in the um, VFL, so he's been picked up by the Western Bulldogs. And Port Adelaide have picked up Quentin Nassel, formerly of, um, formerly of Geelong, was drafted there, has been playing uh, VFL with Essendon as well. So those are the two names. Uh, that really jump out. And when you look a little bit further below as well, um, Sydney, uh, two, two key position players, a key forward and a key defender there. And Harry Arnold, who's been playing VFL with Brisbane um, and from Broadbridge as well as a junior club, but has been playing extremely well across the back there with uh, Brisbane and the VFL and Jack Buller um, from Claremont in the, uh, in the waffle. So Sydney, with all the key position issues they've had in terms of injury, um, we saw, um, we saw, I've just had a mental blank, excuse me, but uh, being sent to the long-term injury. Sam Reid, Sam Reid. Uh, Reid as well. Paddy McCartan, McCartan's done for the McCart- season. Sorry, that was the one I was referring to. And again, he's a little bit of a tangent for us. Lucas, given that, and when we when you speak to the Chief San Zickman about this, he it's when he really narrows and gets focused when we talk about the concussion. Gary Birkinshaw as well. Hello to both of those great men. Do you think that Paddy McCartan should play football again? Um, Will Bukowski in cricket circles was almost the same. I think McCartan's what into the mid to high teens, I, I believe, in concussions over his career. He had what a two year he had a two year break um between his time with St Kilda, the Sydney's VFL list, and when he's been on the 
when he's been on the field, he's been absolutely superb. But we saw that that incident that caused that concussion in that game, and it was very, very subtle. It wasn't a contact injury. He was on the ground, and he's almost he's gone almost shoulder head first in. It was a glancing blow rather than a uh, than a than a full on blow, for lack of a better term. There, it was innocuous, as have a couple of will. Well, I think in Will Pukowski's case, speaking about a very talented cricketer. I think that there's a lot going on in between the ears in Walker Bukowski. And when you listen to him commentate, you can hear how intelligent he is. And I think there's a lot of thoughts going on in Bukowski's head. If for mine, McCartan's risking his life and his long-term well-being. Like you, you take risk playing an AFL footballer, but McCartan's had a dreadful run. Either he wears headgear or he just stops, to be honest which with you. Which he does already. Or ha- had done in the past. Has done, in the past. Yeah. Has, da- has done in the past. Has done in the past. Look, Mar- Marich's stories is a really interesting one. Before we move on, he was a big man. He was playing for Druin, which, interestingly, Lucas, you might not know this, same club as Gary Ablett. And he was 107 kilograms a couple of years ago and worked with his, his brother, and he's lost 24 kilos. And if you look at him now, He's actually quite a slim, true man. In fact, he reminds me in his body shape of Lucas Holmes. He's not—he's not a very big unit at all. Um, but he'll get bigger when he goes back in the AFL. But it's great to see him picked up by. And you know, you, hopefully he plays. Honestly, I, I genuinely hope he plays this year. The Eagles need him, and the worst—the worst thing they can do is give him a crack. What's going to happen? I mean, give him a go. But as I said, the mid-season draft, and and sadly for mine, Noah Casalini not picked up. Um, I thought Noah Castellani might have been. There was there certainly was talk outside of Sydney about Castellani. He's playing great football for the Roosters in Adelaide. Not picked up this time. So it's marriage, Hanson Jr., Tucker, Coulthard, Arnold Hardy, Sandley, Hunter Pulden, Narkle, Ryan Trezise, and Muller. They are the 13 players that have gone in the mid-season draft, everybody. And, yeah, and of course, David, the, the reason why there was only, what, there was 15 picks and only 13 taken, clubs needed to... Uh, needed to make an additional list spot, i.e. Collingwood's done it the last two years now. Charlie Dean gone to the long-term injury list with footy issues. Paddy McCartan, we spoke about there. Jai Cully from West Coast did his ACL in, in previous week. So that's how the, the clubs make up list, uh, list spots. They move players to a long-term injury list, which means which rules them out for the current season. Which I suggest you is, is very closely modelled on what happens in the NFL. Yeah, and we've seen players too, David, that have been picked up. You were speaking before about Marrick being given a go by West Coast. We've been seen, we've seen players that have been picked up in the mid-season draft that have gone to have decent careers to date. Marlon Pickett, of course, made his debut in a grand final. John Noble, for me, is probably yes, he's from the club of support, but he's probably been the standout. He hasn't missed the game since Newcomb. Yeah, Newcomb as well. He, we've, we've seen so, how solid he's been. So they're, they're really the top three. Oh, yeah. Going back, I reckon Michael Barlow might have been a mid-season draft. Going back a fair way. But he was a very good player for Freo Barlow. Yep. Came, but, yes, Noble's been an exceptional player for Collingwood. He's, in my mind, a very typical Collingwood player. Very hard at it. No fuss, no frills. I mean, yes, there's a few bikes that don't mind touching their hair up and they're a bit different now, but in my mind, he's very much it. And I'm not being rude. I know you I know I give Collingwood enough to, to, mate. I've gone and I've gone and told you that they're gonna be in the top four tonight because I'm being analytical tonight. 
because there's so many serious things to talk about in football. It's probably not the right time to be joshing around too much. Okay, round 11 results. Sydney, as expected, pogoed Carlton. Then we get into a series of results over Saturday and Sunday that were utterly bizarre. And as Lucas and I will tell you in a minute, Collingwood and Port Adelaide must have been sitting back going, WTF. Hawthorne kicked the last five goals of the game to beat St Kilda, 12-16, 12-6. From Mantle, in an indication they're playing very good football and Melbourne might be slightly off the ball. 12-7 over 10, 12, uh, Melbourne, 10-12. That game at the MCG. So, yes, Fremantle has come to Melbourne to the G and beaten Melbourne. Then in a result that is utterly amazing for me, the Giants held on to beat Geelong at Cadinia Park despite less scoring shots, 12-9 to 10-14. Then the Gold Coast Suns, now this probably wasn't a surprise. I know I picked Footscray. The Suns 13-6 over the Western Bulldogs, 11-11. So St Kilda's in the four, Melbourne's in the four, and the Dogs are in the four, and they all got Pogo. Yeah, and then you go... Yeah, sorry. I, out of those, out of those three, I would, I would least surprising is probably, uh, but the most even matchup going into that is probably Gold Coast Western Bulldogs. That's probably oh, it, it's, absolutely. It's still, a, it's still a surprising result, but it's one that could have gone either way. It's not drop dead stunning like a couple of those others. Yeah. I would like to see how many people tip from outside of the people south of the Swan River. You go and tell me how many people genuinely tip Frio to beat Melbourne and then GWS to beat Geelong. No, thank you. And I'm talking people whose living is football. I mean, you live and breathe football. Yes, you're a Collingwood man, but you'll go and tip someone against Collingwood if they're not going to beat them, okay? Correct. Yep. Essendon beat the West Coast in Perth. Uh, West Coast at least had a go and put it in some sort of a fight. Port Adelaide are doing a Collingwood impersonation for last year. They keep on winning tight. 10-17 over Richmond, 9-13, 77-67. Um, and interestingly, their, their president left sun, is leaving Sunrise, so probably about to spend a bit more time doing Port Adelaide things, but David Kosh has had a superb career. Collingwood will be filthy, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute and ask Lucas Holmes about this. They beat North Melbourne 16-9 to 10-10. On the face of it, you think that's a good win. I'm going to come back to Louis. And then Adelaide beat Brisbane 14, 11, 10, 18, showing that Adelaide have made enormous strides. And if I was a South Australian at that moment, I'd be very, very pleased. Remember, in South Australia, 95% of the people in South Australia absolutely hate Port Adelaide's guts. They hate them with a passion. But in South, if you're being a South Australian football person, you're thinking, you know what, I've got one side I was going to make the top four and another could make the eight. Lucas, can you tell our fans why Collingwood will not be pleased in beating North Melbourne by 35 points? Yeah, it's a percentage, it's a percentage thing, as we've spoken about, David, as well. And I'll get some other games with them in a minute. But saying you asked me about this one first, it's a percentage thing. It was a, it was a game of milestones, wasn't it? Firstly, 300 grains still steel side bottom, and he lasted all of, uh, what, 15 minutes and has gone off with an MCL, and I'll miss about the next six weeks. And he's only missed. 33 games to date in, the, in a 300-game career, which is outstanding. Um, so he lasted all of 15 minutes. It was Mason Cox's uh, 100th game, David, which is an outstanding story in itself. It was also Jaden Stevenson's 100th game as, as well, and he's played probably his best game 
in a blue and white jumper for a, a period of time now since he crossed over to Arden Street at the start of 2020. But it's a percentage thing, isn't it, David? And of course, North Melbourne want to kick the last, what, three or four goals um, to, to minimise that margin. And it was, it was, it was quite, they played quite well. The connection between their midfield and forwards was exceptional, to be brutally honest, without Ben Cunnington, too, who's been, uh, been a staple of that midfield for a long period of time. And Todd Goldstein, of course, I've spoken about how highly I rate him and most people would over the last decade or so. It was Nick, Nick Larkey, forward of the football, David. He kicked five goals, was outstanding for them. Um, Bailey Scott, 30 disposals, one goal, two clearances. Um, Will Phillips, 29 disposals, five tackles and five clearances. And you look at Hugh Greenwood here too, 25 disposals, 11 tackles and 10 clearances. But on the Collingwood side, David, Jordan Dugowie, uh, 35 disposals, a goal, four tackles and five clearances. So he's really turning to a pure midfielder now, whereas he started his career as a hybrid forward midfield role. Is Jordan Degoe going to take the Brownlow medal off Nick Dacos? It could be potential at the moment too. Dacos hasn't played badly um, by well, any stretch of the No, 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 he hasn't. But Jordan Degoe is one of the form... The form footballers in Australia right now a Christian Petrucca, Noah Anderson and Jordan Dugowie. They're the three. Oh, sorry, Zach Butters. Yep. Keep going, Louis, you go. And I'd probably almost throw Jordan Dawson. Oh, um, sorry, yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not being rude to Dawson, but yeah. two of those players, but Butters has come. Butters is... If Butters is getting pressed before Ollie Wines and all of their midfielders, that shows you how good a footballer is. Noah Anderson, with the injury to Tuke Miller, Noah Anderson's become the most important player for the Suns alongside Matt Rowell, and he's a better all-round footballer than Rowell. Yep. But Jordan Degoe, um, give a bloke has had more chances than you wouldn't want to believe, is finally showing us that he is an elite AFL player, and I mean elite. I'm going to go and talk about a, an unofficial side shortly. But to be quite honest with you, he's coming into Brownlow contention. That's how good he's been. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Clarence is too young forward. That's where Collingwood have struggled in the past, as I've spoken about at nauseam, but bringing in um, Mitchell, who's done a specific role and done that quite well. Um, oh, that's added to their bow as well. That yeah. is a smart move by Collingwood. That is a very, you think about the kind of player that, you know, Mitchell's reliable. You know what he's going to do, okay? And all the other players can work saying, okay. And the other clubs, I can give you the blueprint of what Tom Mitchell's going to do each week. But the thing is, he does it. And he's the difference between his good and his bad games is not very much. Um, Lucas, you wanted to talk about a couple other games before we went to round 11? I did. 12, 12. Um, I will, I Yet I wanted to highlight uh, Hawthorne and St Kilda, David. It's, it's mainly due to one player. Um, James Sicily had an absolute afternoon there uh, at Marvel Stadium. Sicily, 43 disposals, 16 marks, 21 intercept possessions, and 17 of those contested as well. So absolutely outstanding there for the Hawthorne captain. As you said, they kicked the last five goals of the game uh, uh, for that one. For the Hawks, um, John Newcomb, 31 disposals as well. Max King was he two or three games um, back from his injury. He kicked four goals. And St Kilda's was a little bit further as well. Hunter Clark, a high draft pick from a, a couple of years ago now, is down with a knee for the next four to six weeks. Um, Higgins was um, on the report post-game with a finger injury. 
couldn't quite pick him up on the injury report uh, yesterday. So they may have got a, away with that one a little bit. But yeah, St Kilda starting to slide, but James Sisterly absolutely outstanding. And won't be playing this weekend. Yep. Fremantle, wow. Five weeks ago, we were sitting there just, oh, I was pretty, I'll be blunt, pogoing them. They, they've beaten Geelong and Melbourne in the last three weeks. They have, and it's um, it's been, it's been a team effort. It's that midfield really driving them. Andrew Brayshaw, twenty nine disposals, six tackles, seven clearances, um, ha- having quite a, a consistent start to his career. Jai Miss, finally the rising star nominee uh, for last round. He had three goals from fourteen disposals, um, with three tackles thrown in there as well. Um, and as you said, they're three man uh, on a five goal th- third terms, fifteen points up at the last change and, and, and as you said, they're away from home at you there. We, we all know how good uh, Fremantle are at Perth and are at Optus Stadium, but we've seen in the past they're a different kettle of fish away. Maybe they're just starting to change that change that a little bit. Yes, and don't forget Caleb Sarong. Yeah. He's been brilliant. Um, look, those results conspired to leave us with a... So Collingwood and Port Adelaide got four points and percent, well, not much in Port Adelaide's case. Collingwood and Port got a four-point leap on everybody. Completely remarkable, this was, completely. Essendon and Adelaide will be also just going, what is going on? Because they've gained four points on position three to six. So it's Collingwood on 40 and percentage, Port Adelaide 36, Brisbane 32. They've got no one near them. Then there are three sides on 28. Melbourne's got a Motter a percentage on St Kilda and Western Bulldogs. Adelaide and Essendon on 24, very close to a percentage there. And Fremantle are on 24. They're in ninth because of their poor percentage. Then it's Geelong, Sydney, Gold Coast, Carlton, GWS, Richmond, Hawthorne, North Melbourne and West Coast. Um, yeah. Look, amazing, just an amazing weekend of results, particularly for the top two sides. Completely remarkable for them. And it's a four-point gift is what that is. It's a four-point gift to them. Friday night football this week, Melbourne and Carlton at the magnificent MCG. On Saturday afternoon early, Port Adelaide and Hawthorne at the Adelaide Oval. Then the early, the twilight game East Coast, but this will be a day game with a red football in Perth because they have much later sunsets. West Coast hosting Collingwood over there in Perth. At Docklands, it's the Western Bulldogs and the Geelong Cats. At Marara, Terrio Stadium in the London Territory, it's Gold Coast and Adelaide in what's almost the game of the round. On the Sunday early, remember that Brisbane, St Kilda, Sydney and the Freo have got buys. It's the Giants hosting Richmond early and then at twilight, it's Essendon and North Melbourne. Um, the game of the ra- the games of the round are actually Melbourne and Carlton, although Carlton have been terrible. But the game of the rounds, at, well, Western Bulldogs are a lot, but almost Gold Coast and Adelaide, that's a huge yep. game, Louis. Yeah, okay. It, it is, David, and just quickly, I think it's it's going to be interesting too, and we'll go through the round in a minute, but I think this game will be crucial when it comes. It's a night game. It's going to be slippery. It's going to be humid. Um, I think it's going to be the small forwards that make a real difference in this one, and we know how good uh, Josh Rochelle and uh, Isaac Rankin are. So I think that may sway the contest for me. Yes, and you would hope that Adelaide's done a bit of work in the in in the um, in in temperature controlled environment, just getting ready for this and getting the running, getting the fluids up. They'll have had a, ba- a booze ban for this one, and a, the, you might sound think that sounds strange, everybody. Most football clubs in the AFL 
if you have anything less than a seven-day break, you are on a booze ban. Now, Adelaide won on Sunday, so they'll be on a booze ban, but they're playing in Darwin in third, it'll be 28 degrees. You've got These are the things you've got to do. Tips for me, uh, I think Melbourne, although not playing great football, Melbourne will beat Carlton because Carlton are in a massive funk. Yeah, they're in a massive funk and they've got a massive injury as well. Uh, teams have come out in the last hour or so. David Edgerno yeah. admitted Nick Newman out with a hamstring, Connor Durden with a knee, Mark Pitnett, who, uh, who signed a full-year contract extension last week, which is yeah. great for him considering his story. Uh, 50 games over a nine-year period, David, shows how well he's done in terms of longevity, which is which is, you don't see very often for Ruckman, may I add. So there's another dimension to it. George Hewitt, concussion, Ollie Hollands, collarbone as well. Hollands a little bit more long-term, out, out with surgery. Hewitt, concussed, concussed as well. So a, a couple of longer-term injuries for them. I think they're decimated by injuries. Melbourne have a few of their own. Hibbert out injured. McDonald probably more managed than an ankle injury, but he's had a few over his time. And a local person from here as well in the Wimmera. So no McDonald, no James Jordan, but... Adam Tomlinson in, Lockie Hunter returns from suspension, Smith and Joel Smith in as well for Melbourne. Hunter makes an enormous difference and Tomlinson's been a good footballer for a long time. because Mel- he's Mel- a... Yeah, Melbourne by plenty, I think. I don't think there's too much uh, argument in that. Port Adelaide aren't winning very many games by lots of points. They're playing very convincing football and Ken Hinckley, after being under enormous pressure, is um, certainly being lauded east, east of the border, I can tell you. Port Adelaide will beat Hawthorne. I think um, relatively comfortable. It won't be enormous. I think maybe four goals? Yeah, maybe six or seven for me. I think, okay. as I said earlier, Hawthorne, Hawthorne will play most of the game out, that's for sure. Todd Marshall returns, Dave, from concussion. After Port Adelaide, Mead out, Francis Evans, both admitted. After Hawthorne, we spoke about Tissley, he's out due to suspension. There's a fair few of those in this round as well, as we'll, yes. uh, as we'll allude to down the line. Ken McKenzie, their recent graphic, he's managed Scrimshaw in. But yeah, I don't think there's too much argument in, despite how well Hawthorne played last week, Port Adelaide at home, that is good song. Collingwood without steel side bottom and the injured Jamie Elliott. Uh, Collingwood will be targeting a very big score here. And one of the things they will target is keeping West Coast to a low score. Okay? We, we, uh, you go. Yeah, Sorry. Um, which they have been doing for a large period of time as well, really, other than last week, to be honest. Yeah, they'll win by 12 goals, something like 110 to 38 or 40, something like that. Yeah, and and they'll do it as well. Billy Frampton come back in. He's been really a, a sh- another shrewd pickup of theirs um, over the off-season. Harvey Harrison, small forward of debut for them. We spoke about, we spoke about side bottom earlier. Um, Elliot uh, had battling some shoulder issues for the last month or so, so he'll be rested and won't have to fly across. And uh, Olive Markov will potentially be the sub as well. Um, extended squads, obviously. Oh, no, excuse me. They're not the set of no. games. They are not extended. No, they the extended squads are for the two games on Sunday. Yep. The evening games, possibly the, one of the games that round the Western Bulldogs and Lucas, this will be a big smile for both of us because this guy's played for both of our clubs. Adam Chalor back playing football, which is great. McNeil and Hannah omitted for the Doggies. And Geelong, a couple of big outs. One in particular, Radigali, has been in very good form. He's been a terrific back. Gary Rowan comes back for them. This game, because these, if this was at Cadinia, I'd almost take Geelong. But the Western Bulldogs are a pretty decent football side and they are dynamite. They're a five-goal better side 
at Docklands. That's how much. They're the almost the best side in the league at Docklands, and I think they'll win by three goals. I think they will as well, David. Radigle is out with the future loss, but you've still got Stewart who can cover across the back. But when you've got Aaron Norton down there, I, I, th- I think that's really going, really going to uh, shift the momentum, particularly under the roof at Marvel. You can, you can transfer the ball so quickly down the middle there. I think that will potentially cause you a world of hurt. And you said there, Western Bowl three, four, five goals better at Docklands, and I'll tip them as well, David, by about three and a half to four goals. Gold Coast and Adelaide play at Marara and Darwin on at, at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Mac Andrews got his second club in, his suspension in, in six months. The first was for DY, and this one he didn't turn up to a training session on the Sunday. So they've dropped him. Fair enough. We've got no problems with that. Wayne Campbell's come out. They've got to set standards. And the Gold Coast, at that critical phase in their history, without Gary Ablett, they are at a critical phase. They've got two of the league's best midfielders, one of the league's top three ruckmen for without any doubt, shadow of a doubt, in wits. <clears throat> They're playing Adelaide. Worrell and um, Henry, both McHenry, omitted Parnell's uh, the sub. Hinge and Smith come in for Adelaide. This is a tough game to pick. I'm going to pick on ladder position here because this is a neutral game. Uh, Gold Coast have a slight advantage in that they're used to playing in warm weather. But I think Adelaide by two goals. I think this will be a cracking game of footy. And, and to that McAndrew point uh, quickly, David, it shows the club driving standards, which maybe three, four years ago, they probably mm-hmm. weren't quite at that level. So that shows an improvement from a football department and club point of view. So that's only going to hold them in better stead for the medium for long term. But to the game specifically, I think Brody Smith's a big in for them, was rested uh, more managed last week. Excuse me, I believe it was a neck complaint. So neck or back. So no Brody Smith last week. He's back in. Hinge is a good player as well. And as I said previously, I think the uh, small forwards will really play a part. Rankin and Rochelle, they're outstanding. Phil Thorpe's been solid in giving Riley O'Brien um, a chop out in the ruck as well. And Taylor Walker's had a late career renaissance, hasn't he? So... I still think it won't be as the key position players as much. It'll be the smaller forwards for the mid-sides forwards who will do the damage. And I'll go for Adelaide in slipper conditions at Marara by three goals for me. Okay, so we've got extended squads for the Sunday games. Greater Western Sydney host Richmond at Sydney Olympic Park um, at the Sydney Showgrounds on Sunday. This is the 10 past one game. Hemelberg, Flynn and Rouston come in, which is Hemelberg in particular is an important one. Dow, Cumberland and Banks come in for Richmond. There are no outs at this stage. This is a tough game to pick. Richmond yeah, were solid, solid against Port Adelaide. Solid. The Giants, um, do you know what? I, I think I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast. The Giants, I think other than Collingwood, have had a reasonable season. Yeah. They've been okay. They go hard at the football. They're accountable. Toby Green, we should mention, was absolutely lights out in his 200th game last week. Four goals, best player on the ground. And it's a very good question as to whether he or Jeremy Cameron are the best players ever to play in um, Orange and Charcoal. You're a neutral to that your, that question. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Um, yes. Playing playing two different roles. Um, m- most people in in AFL circles say that a small forward, which Green is, um, to maybe a lesser degree, could be quite good above his head, but. But, but he'd be categorised as a small forward is the harder position to play in the current era, current era of football. To be honest, I think Cameron's probably taken another step or two up into his game since he's moved to Geelong. So for me, um, I think Green would 
although yes, he's caused a controversy, but for me, I think I, I would almost back Green in there as the uh, as the as the uh, better Giants player in their uh, what decade and a bit history now. Good point. Very good point. Maybe now, just. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Greater Western Sydney by eight points. I think this will be a thriller. Yeah, I think I may have tipped Richmond from work uh, in the work comp, David, but we'll, I, I'm not convinced. Um, the Giants, yeah, could, they, could have they played up a little bit um, for Green in his 200? That's potentially a thing. Yes, he kicked full goals. He was outstanding, but he, he lifts the team around him, which is, which is great to see. Himmelberg's a big in. Uh, I think for me, that could just swing it. Max Flynn's been also impressive in a couple of games. He's played Harry Rouston also, and he's just spoke about Dow, Cumberland, and Banks in. Cumberland's been uh, a, a bit hit and miss. He's, he's on when he's on, but when he hasn't been, it's been some issues. Giants at home, probably actually just chips this one for me, but again, I think it's less than two goals. Honestly, could go either way, but I'll, I'll go the Giants. Some interesting ins in the next game. Goodness gracious me, Essendon and North Melbourne's the late game on Sunday. It's just twilight at Docklands. Dylan Shell, Alwan David Jr., Alwan David Jr., big source films, and new player Rhett Montgomery come in for Essendon. McDonald Tippin Woody goes out. And to be fair, he's gone through hell and back. What I think what they should say to Tippin AMT is go back and play VFL for a little while, go back and have a nine month period where you get yourself back into being in proper shape. And I'm not being rude to him. That's, this is just, it, it, he's not able to produce at the moment. And it, the man's gone through hell. The man has gone through hell. North Melbourne, goodness me, Aiden Kaur's back in there. But do I see Taron Thomas back in the side? Goodness oh, gracious oh, me. That's, was, an interesting, was, that's an interesting selection. Yeah, I was waiting how long to potentially glance your eyes all the way to the right. But Thomas, yes, of course, he's gone through, he's gone through some... His hell, his hell himself, but it's all been self-imposed, unfortunately, for him. But gone through the VFL the last couple of weeks. We all know the talent of the player, but um, it's been the off-field stuff where he struggled. Some big ends for the Roos, too. Aiden Core, uh, Taylor Lane Shields was out last week. And Darcy Tucker, another player from the Wimmera, coming in as well. Dave. Paul Curtis, who kicked that outstanding it's, goal. It's a, a ladies couple- and gentlemen, it's a Wimmera thought. It's a Wimmera thought tonight for the, for the man from the Wimmera. Yes. Um, yes, I'm amazed. That, I'm amazed that Thomas has been named. I, yeah. I'm stunned, and I'm not making any comments at all because a lot of those things are subjudice. But wow, Core and Shields are huge for him. Yeah, yeah. look, Essendon by plenty. Um, North Melbourne will probably give a decent account of itself. Essendon by six goals for me. Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Shields has had a couple of. He's been late out for the last couple of weeks with ankle issues, David. So we'll see how. He gets through this game. Alan Davy Jr. is a big one. I'm make, 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 mouthing somebody Lucas Holmes in the background that I can't say on a podcast, but we'll leave it at that. But okay. yeah, Essendon, yeah, five, six goals. I think they'll, I think they'll do it. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but they'll do it comfortably, as it were. Quickly, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, we've been going a while, and we're both. You both, we can sit there until four, four hours, but you've got to keep some sort of a cap. ESPN's come out uh, in the last few hours and named their slightly uh, last night, actually, last yesterday morning, and named their mid-year All-Australian side. Here it is. Charlie Ballard, Gold Coast. Callum Wilkie said killed a James Sicily Hawthorne. That's the back line. Sicily's a lock there. Half-back yep. line, Jackson Clear St Kilda. The captain of the All-Australian side, Darcy Moore from Collingwood. And Nick Dacos from Collingwood, a half-back flank. Gracious me, what a half-back line that is. 
Then onto the centre line, and this is where it gets really serious. There's one surprise in here. Jordan Dawson and Zach Butters are the wingers, but Tom Liberatore has been named as the centre due to his actual form, and you can't argue with the stats. Half forward line, oh, talk about oozing with talent. Christian Petrarca, Charlie Kernow, and Toby Green. Holy cow. Full forward line, Joe Danner, who's a surprising one, Jeremy Cameron and Charlie Cameron. So two left-footed players in the forward line. Charlie Cameron, who's equally brilliant on either side of his body. The ruck is Tim English from the Western Bulldogs. Yep. Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, ruck rover. Rover, the well, he can't, but he has to be the rover because Bontempelli's taller than him. So the, the, the starting followers, English, Oliver from Melbourne, the Bont from uh, Western Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli. The interchange, including the subs, Sean Darcy from Manila, and you can't argue with that. Yes, there's two general Ruckman, but he's a good footballer. Jordan Dugowie, Collingwood, Lockie Neal, Brisbane, Noah Anderson, Gold Coast, absolutely deserved, and Caleb Sarong from Fremantle. They've got that pretty much right. Gee, there's some form plays in there. Dugowie had to be in there. Yeah. Not that I'd change it, but the one probably most people would argue there, and I would agree, um, would be Tomlin Vittore, but he's one of those he, he, he's one of those players that does all the one percenters extremely well, extremely tough, extremely physical, tackles extremely well, extremely good when it comes to clearances and extremely clean. So it's probably the one people would probably go to and go, hold on a minute. But I, I, I think they've got that one right, to be honest. And it's good to see that ESPN has actually picked two genuine wingers too, not uh, on balls with a dyslexic wing, which is nice. Uh, no, it's a good side. And there's a, there's yep. a young side as well. Okay, unofficial ESPN Brownlow medal leaderboard. And for the first time in weeks, we have a new leader. The top 10 uh, on 12 and a half, Tim Taranto Richmond in these last five weeks has gone one and a half, two, two, one and a half, and three. He's been outstanding. In fact, he's the form player in the competition. He's on 12 and a half. Andrew Brayshaw's had a good last few weeks. He's 12 and a half. Jack Sinclair, 12 and a half. Jordan Degoe, he's gone two, one, three in the last few weeks. He's on 14. The Bonts on 14 and a half. Clayton Oliver, who is injured, is on 14 and a half. Then Zach Butters, who's these are his last seven eight weeks, everyone. 0. 0.5, 2.5, 1. 0. 0.5, 2.3, 3, 1. 0.5. Oh my goodness. Jordan Dawson's on 16.5, along with Nick Dacos, who Lucas interestingly got a vote last weekend. So he's not as if he's out of form. And Christian Petrarca's the new leader on 17 votes after picking up a two. So it's Petrarca, then Dacos, Dawson, Butters, Oliver, DeBont. Dugowie, Sinclair, Brayshaw, Taranto with Anderson and Neil lingering just outside. And Chad Warner, who's been in great form from the Swans and Rory Laird, all, all on 12. It's a very good leaderboard. And I think that Oliver's injury might might very well set up Christian Petrarca for a real crack at his first, Charlie. Yeah, it may, David. And there's a couple there you touch on. Chad Warner played his 50th game on the weekend, was, was quite decent as well. A couple of other players throughout there. You spoke about Taranto. What do you kick four goals and had 33 or so touches oh. in that close loss on the weekend? He was superb. We've spoken about Butters at length the last three or four weeks. And you said there that might be injury to uh, Oliver, who who is by Simon Goodwin. He, he'll miss the game on Friday night, David, but he'll be back, uh, according to Simon Goodwin, for King's birthday Monday. So uh, looking forward to a sold out MCG there as well. But um, that may, as you said, they're opening up for Petrarca. Dacos, for his form for his early season, he's, he's tapered off a little bit. But that doesn't say he's been, he's been poor, but as you said earlier on, and your words, Jordan Degoe, he's been outstanding the last three or four weeks. So 
started to it started to level out, and just, let's not forget Marcus Bontempelli is extremely consistent. Doesn't really doesn't really stand out. Like, doesn't stand out all the time, but he's always there. Correct. Yeah. Um, and look, it's it's a great lead, and I think this could be one of the most hotly contested Brownlows in years because this leaderboard usually gets it right. They usually get the Brownlow medalist right. Louis, it's been a wonderful last hour with you. Too, we've had a lot to talk about. Was there anything else you wanted to mention tonight before we bid our fans adieu? Uh, there isn't, I believe, but there was actually there is. There's one quick thing that came across uh, everyone's uh, desk in the last five or six hours. David Nat Fight signed a contract extension with Fremantle to at least the end of 2025. So there was potentially some talk of him potentially moving interstate. The St Kilda, Western Bulldogs, or St Kilda with a two, i.e. Ross Lyon. The obvious, obvious, the obvious link there, but uh, signed in the contract extension two years, uh, ended 2025 for the uh, former dual Brownlow medalist. And that'll finish his career. He won't fit, yep. play anywhere else. He'll be a one a one club player for his career now. He'll finish off and and uh, end up making a lot of money probably in the press over there in Western Australia. Um, Lucas, you're, you've got a massive game on Saturday in the uh, Wimmera Football Netball League. Uh, is it the Horsham Saints and Ararat or the other Horsham side? Uh, no, Horsham Saints and Ararat, and that's where I'll be uh, stationed as well. So not leaving Horsham on Saturday, that'll be nice. Netball that's... will be decent as well indoors, but yeah, Coglin Park for at 1v3 Ararat yet to be beaten, Horsham Saints and Birds. So looking forward to that one. Is that the only netball court in the league that's indoors? Correct, yes. yes. So that's Ararat and... Uh, Horsham Saints, but 10 past two, is that your starting time? Uh, 20 past two for the seniors, and it's 12.15 for the A-grade netball. So. And with a 20 past two start, is it a red footy or a yellow football, given that you're a long way south? Red, I believe, but I would have to get back to that and have a look. And quickly in Sydney, Friday Night Football, Henson Park, University of New South Wales and UTS, and UTS pulled off the most extraordinary victory last week. Saturday is a monster. Sydney Uni and North Shore in both grades. That is huge at Sydney Uni. Then on Sunday, a very special day at Henson Park. Newtown Breakaways have got their pride round and they've asked us to go and broadcast. So Saturday and Sunday, I'll be joined by Ash Borg in commentary, which will be great to have the great man down. Uh, Jono's got actually got boxing this weekend, not far from you down the road in Adelaide. So a uh, big weekend. So again, Louis at Ararat and Horsham. I'll get you to give a bit of a synopsis on that next week, Lucas, because that's a massive fixture in that in that particular league, one v three, and I've got no doubt there'll be a decent crowd there. Yeah, it shall be. Former um, Carlton listed player Paul Williamson, a local Ararat player, David, back to his junior club. So he's one to watch out for there as well for Ararat. And as you said there, another Friday night of football for you. And if it's anything like last round, David, on Friday night, you'll be in for a treat as well. Oh. Oh, gosh, we're both stuffed. It was a late night. And at one point, it was amazing. It was a great game of footy um, and uh, most enjoyable. In fact, I had two great games on the weekend. They were fabulous to call. Louis, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your football on netball this week. I note that you've got the netball. I think you said 12.35 or 12.15 for a grade netball. 12.15, yeah. On the indoor courts there. And then that finishes and then go and look look at the footy. So uh, enjoy, my friend. Thank you for your time. Have a great weekend. Always. Thanks, David. Look forward to uh, previewing a couple of big games next weekend too. So looking forward to that. Holy cow. And of course, our dear, our dear friend in a fortnight, ladies and gentlemen, will be able to tell you what the games are like from being at the ground, the bugger. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, this is David Redden. Thank you so much for listening to us. We just love doing what we do. 
and uh, we appreciate you listening to us. Take care. Look after yourself. We'll see you next week.